Hey guys, I'm Rain, and welcome to Web Chats, where we find the most interesting people on the internet and bring them on to hear their stories. Some of the topics we cover can be funny, interesting, maybe even a little weird, and we do get into some pretty heavy topics, things like substance abuse, suicide, sex abuse, domestic violence. So a quick trigger warning, if you're sensitive to any of those things, you're going to want to think about that before you proceed with any of our episodes, because sometimes it comes up a little bit unexpectedly. If you hear me giving advice to anybody on the show, it's just coming from my own personal experiences and it's coming from my heart, but I am not a trained professional. I've been through a lot in my life. I've seen a lot. I've known a lot of people, so I have a lot to pull from, but I am not a trained professional. The last thing before we get into the show is I want to share a few resources that may be useful for you or somebody you know. So the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. The National Child Abuse Hotline. 800-422-4453 and 24-hour drug and alcohol abuse support line including an optional 24-hour admittance to rehab is 877-987-6071. Okay, now let's get into the show. Web chats connected. Hey everybody, I'm Rain and welcome back to Web Chats. I'm super glad that you could be here. I think you chose a good place to be. Uh, You know, if you're on Instagram, if you're reading the news, if that's what you're consuming, I know what you're getting and you know what you're getting. You're getting more fucking coronavirus and Donald Trump did this and vote for this person and these people said this and that. I mean, look, you got to consume a certain amount of it because you need to be aware about what's going on in the world and some of it affects you and you have to make decisions. I understand that. But we are over consuming this negativity and the people who pump it out there, they know that it's more than just disseminating news. It's entertainment for us. It's the same as a football team, the way we argue over Democrats and Republicans and conservatives and liberals, and I choose this side and you choose that side. We got to get off of that. It's not productive. It's destructive. It's not helping us. It's hurting us. We just got to... We got to turn in a different direction. Anyway, that's why I love this show. It's not just because I make it. It's because this is a break from all that shit. Here, we get a chance to amplify voices that need to be heard, to tell stories that need to be told, that somebody else out there can relate to and possibly even save a life. But all of us can learn from everybody's story that's shared on this show. And so this is something that hopefully feeds your soul. And for that, I think it's worth an hour of our time each week. My guest today is Tabitha. She went through a lot, as a lot of my guests have. She went through a lot, but she's a strong, strong person, and I love that. That's, again, a recurring theme. Most of the people I speak to, they've been through a lot, but they're fighters. They're in there. They're bouncing back. They're trying to help other people. They're trying to use the pain that they've been through to help others, and uh, some of them are still trying to claw their way back, but none of them have given up, and all of them have hope, and I love that about them. So Tabitha's no different. She's actually even taken it to the next step after going through this this traumatic childhood that she'll describe for you, getting to the point where she, as an adult, attempts a suicide that was almost successful really traumatic situation she's been through now she's got this facebook group this support group for other people i love that that's the kind of fucking story that i want to hear i've had enough of hearing what fucking donald trump tweeted today tell me what tabitha did today that's what i want to know uh but anyway amber found her she finds all of our guests she does a great job and this is what she shared on facebook i'll share a bit about it and then we'll get into the show so she said As most of you may know, just almost two years ago, September 2018, I fought for my life for five days on life support after a very dark moment. As a child, I suffered sexual assault, abandonment, abuse, and lived in foster care for some time. I never imagined that the older I got, the more that hurt and pain that was kept in for so long would come back to the surface. Just last year, I was diagnosed with CPTSD, anxiety, major depressive disorder, and recently, bipolar. I continue to share my story daily on Facebook called hashtag tab survival story, hoping to help others who face these challenges daily and make others aware that our lives matter and we do matter. Please read my story and join my group anytime you'd like. Much love to everyone. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tabitha. Are we on? There we go. There we go. There we go. How's it going? I'm all right. How are you? Doing good. Thank you. Okay, let me make sure I'm recording. Good. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Cool, cool. Uh, you are a very interesting person. 
there's so many, I don't even really know where to start, but this is what I know. I know that you've been through a lot. I know that you're going to be very good at telling your story because this is something that you've decided to do and you've arrived in a place where you're using the things that you've been through to help other people. And that's what I love so much about you. Where do you think is the best place to start? Is it at your childhood? I think there's some things happened when you were younger. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. How was your childhood? Did you grow up with your mom and dad? No, sir, I did not. Um, I grew up with my mom until I was about 11 years old. And then I was actually in foster care where I lived with seven, eight other children up until I was 17. Why did that happen? Where, first of all, where was your dad? Was he ever in the picture? My dad is around, but not around. Okay, so he, not really. Not really. Um, I, I grew up with my mom and um, up until um, the rape. Once the once my charges came out for the sexual assault, I was actually removed from my mom's home and placed with my grandparents. Okay, so tell me about that. So where did that sexual assault come from? From my stepfather. Your stepfather. Okay, so let's kind of start there. So how was your relationship with your mom? Was she okay? She was all right, but my mom was never one to stare her kids or, or to put her kids first in, in her life at all. Okay. Okay. So she marries your stepdad. How old were you when they got together? Uh, when they got together, I was probably about seven. And how'd you like him? I uh, didn't care for him. He, he wasn't a very nice person. If, uh, for an example, me and my siblings sit down to try to eat dinner together, it's, you know, no conversating at the dinner table whatsoever. Like, we weren't allowed to have that bonding time or even bonding time with her mom. Really. So do you feel like when he showed up, things became like less fun at home? It just wasn't, he took oh, yeah. the joy out. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, and then, so, so when did, so he, he, so he's the one who abused you sexually as a kid. When yes, did that sir. start happening? It started happening when I was about nine. Okay. So about two years after he came around, then this started happening. Do you, We'll get into what happened with you, but do you think it started with you or do you think he got to some of your other siblings as well? Never got to my siblings. Um, actually, we sat down and had conversations before. I was the oldest of all three, and so never got to them. And you have what? A sister, brother? What do you have? I have a sister and a brother. Okay. And they're both younger than you. Um, wow. And are, are either of your sister and brother from him or did your mom already have all three of you when she met him? My mom already had all three of us. Okay. My brother and sister were from a uh, different marriage. And then I was my own, my dad's only child. Got it. So, okay. And now I understand where that all, how that all happened. Okay. Um, I mean, slight silver lining, at least it seems that he didn't get to your brother and sister, but what happened when, you know, how did he approach you with this whole situation? How did that unfold? Uh, it started off as him just wrestling as he mm. would call it. Mm. Uh, my mom would always go out gambling two to three nights a week. And whenever she would do that, we were home with him. And it was always the younger ones go to bed, you know, the older ones stay up. And that's kind of how that began to unfold. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm always careful to try to like, I don't want to make you relive anything. So I'll tread lightly. And if I ask anything you don't want to answer, by all means, my point is to not try to like exploit you or anything at all. I just want to understand what happened. So other people that are listening can, can relate because your story is I'm sure many other people's story as well, as I'm sure, you know, yep. um, so, so, so how long did that persist? I, I, it sounds like about two years. How long did that happen? Yeah, every week for, for two years. Every week. Was every there week. some sort of a system to it, or did it just seem to happen every week? Was it like when your mom went gambling, that would be the night? Every time she exited the door to go gambling, I already knew. You already knew what time it was. Did you ever try to tell her, or you were so scared and just didn't know what to do? Yeah, I did tell her, actually. I told her after the first or second time that it happened, and... She talked to him one-on-one -on -one about it, and he told her, hey, I was just wrestling with her. I might have just touched her in the wrong place or whatever, and she, she blew it off. And that's where you get – I'm sure that's not the only evidence that you have, but that's where you come to the conclusion or, 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 or have the opinion that your mom puts herself first. It was maybe more important for her to have her relationship with him than it was to 
let you rock the boat with this situation you were bringing to her. Indeed. She chose to believe him. Yep. So many stories I've heard, so many failures just like that. So many parenting failures where it's hard enough to speak up. Someone speaks up and when they're not believed, it's just, I mean, I haven't been through it, but vicariously I've heard so many stories. I can feel it that it's crushing when that happens. Yeah. Yep. Very much so. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. You beat it. That's right. That's right. I'm living proof. You fucking beat it. Don't you worry. You're here. I saw a meme the other day. It was like, it was like, uh, Amber, you might've shared this with me. It was like, you have overcome all of your hardest days. You're like, you're doing great. It was something like that. Like every fucking difficult thing that you've ever been through, you've survived it. You're here. Yep. And I love that. Yep. Not, not for some fucking bullshit, you know, cliche, silver lining bullshit, but it's true. Like, yep. It's all perspective. You look at the things that you've overcome as things that you've survived, not baggage that's weighing you down or, or sitting on your chest. You know, don't let that elephant sit on your chest. You beat all those things. Anyway. Yep. So, so I'm sure that was crushing. I've been through shit too, where like, you know, I've, I felt that parenting failure. And so how hopeless are you at that point? Like you tell your mom, she blows it off. It just keeps going. Did you try to come up with a plan B, like I got to get out of here, or did it just feel like that was going to go on forever? What was your, what were you thinking at that time? At that time, I really felt like there was no hope for me. Like I, I wasn't allowed to have friends, you know, I wasn't allowed to associate with people. So therefore, like I, I really felt like I had nobody. My dad was absent in my life, mm. and you know, even once he was told, there there was nothing done about it. You know, they put out this figure that you know, I was this person who was a troubled child and, Mm. you know, therefore I lied because I couldn't have my way and because I couldn't get out. And so, you know, at that point I really did feel like, you know, there, there were days that I would take walks, you know, at that young age, I would take walks. I remember down the road and I would just stand on this bridge and just, you know, cry to God and say, you know, why am I here? Mm. Why, why do I have to go through this? Mm. you know, help me like just pleading any and everything. And, you know, mm. for the longest time, I didn't think I was going to get out. Mm. And then when, you know, I ran across my best friend, um, she, she's actually still one of my best friends. You know, I confided in her one day and, and she said, Tab, like, we've got to do something about this. And she went and told the guidance counselors. And that right there is the moment that, that saved me from all that trauma day in and day out. And I want to pause on that right there because even though most of the people listening to this show are typically above 18, if this message gets out to any child out there who's in the same sort of helpless, hopeless feeling situation, one of the best things that you can do is tell the counselor at school. They will stop the world for you and and attack that situation head on, right? Yep. They do not mess around when it comes to that. If a kid tells them that they're in some sort of harm at home, that's it. Yeah, that, that was it. That was the opening eye door. Um, you know, immediately once they were notified of the situation, immediately that's when the police department investigators and everything actually came into the school on that same day. Mm, Yeah, immediately. They're on top of that immediately. And I think for maybe certain kids in certain situations, that's part, that's the part that can be scary is they're scared to bring in the police and make this big situation. Right. And so that's probably what they avoid. Uh, but that's the only way out. You got to get help. You're not, they're not going to just stop because they get tired of, you know, being mean. That's not going to happen. You got somebody else has to stop them. Okay. So, so the police come and what happens is, is does your stepdad go to jail or do they just remove you from the home or what happened next? Yeah. So on that uh, day when the guidance counselors called the police department and stuff in, um, they made me aware that he would be arrested that day nice. and, and taken to jail and that I needed to ride the bus to my grandparents that evening mm. that I wasn't to go back to the home that he resided in with my mom. Nice. So I did that. I uh, 
rode the bus home to my grandparents and my grandmother, as soon as I walked in the door, she was like, you know, you're, you're tearing this family apart. Oh and my God. We're telling all these lies. And my grandmother immediately ran after my grandfather's pistol that was kept under the bed in a safe. And she was like, you know, it's time for you to go. And at that point I jerked the phone off the hook and I ran outside real quick and I called 911. And then when they got there, she had barricaded herself in the bathroom and had told them that she was having a nervous breakdown because of everything. So then that's when they did an emergency protective order and removed me from that home. Oh my God. What do you, and I almost don't want to ask this question because it's crushing to me. What do you, what are you thinking when you're riding the bus to your grandma's house that everything's going to be better when you get there? How are you feeling? No, I knew it wasn't. You knew she was going to be like that. My grandparents, they, they have some dark skeletons too. You know, we grew up child abuse from them and stuff like that. So Uh, that I think on the ride home that it was all going to be okay. Okay. Waiting to see what was really going to happen. So this was a rock and a hard place. You knew you were screwed either way. Yep. Well, as many times as I've heard the system fail people, I would say in this situation, at least the system doesn't seem to have failed you at that time. In that moment, I haven't heard all, all of your story yet, but at least in that moment, they got you away from your stepdad took him to jail, got you away from the grandma by, you know, thank God that you were able to get to the phone and get out of there. Are you all right? Um, so how long did your stepdad go to jail? One day. Maybe that's why you were looking like that. One day. He had one of the best lawyers around this area. He's well known here in this town and stuff. And that's who he had as his attorney. And I don't really think he spent four hours behind bars altogether. You're in a small town or what? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way shit goes in small town America. Yep. That yep. shit doesn't fly out here. I'm in San Diego. You go to any major metro, San Diego, LA, New York, you kind of, you're going to have to have a lot more money and power than that to try to play the system. But I feel like in these small towns, it's so easy to know the judge and know the sheriff and just get away with whatever the fuck you want. And that's, that's, that's where that happened. Damn it. Shit's got to change, man. Our first episode was this girl named Ashley. She was super, super sweet. Also in a small town. She was 13. Her neighbor raped her when he was, he was 24. She was 13. He did four months in jail. Yep. Yep. Four months. Um, well, this shit's got to improve. It can only get, it can only get better from here. Cause that shit's fucked. And that's what I say too. They wonder why, you know, so many people, so many girls or males, it, it doesn't really matter with that, but so many people who go through something like that, they wonder why they, they take so long to, to survive something like that, to to keep reliving that. But Mm. at the same time, they provide no comfort in a person not having to relive that situation. There's very little recourse. Yep. Right. People don't get their day. Like I've, I haven't been through it and I'm always careful about my wording because I don't want to assume, but I would only assume that if I'm in that situation, maybe one of the only things that could make me feel better is to see this person go to jail for a long time and say, okay, fuck you. Now let me try to move on with my life. But when they go to jail for one day and they got away with it, I, that's salt in a wound for sure. Right. Yep. So you go to grandma's house that doesn't last long, obviously. Um, and, and then, and then what? So you're in foster care now, they remove you from the house. Then what? 
Yes, sir. Then I was in foster care. I'm fucking scared to ask you what happens in foster care because I don't think I've heard too many good. I I know a foster parent who's really good, but I don't know. I've heard too many bad stories about foster care. But go well, ahead. I can be another story that tells you that they're really not that bad. I actually okay. did get lucky and had an amazing foster family in which I still have a relationship with my foster mom and Thank all my God. foster siblings. Tab, so, my heart was in my stomach right now getting ready to ask you about this i'm like i don't i don't know if i can handle it it's only thursday <laughs> tell me this on a friday i need a weekend after this story no that was actually amazing for me um they were there through everything through the court proceedings you know that i went through of course you know battling court systems and then i mean they were there up until my father decided at 17 that he wanted custody of me, you know, for my last year until I turned 18. Okay. So you had a great foster family and I'm so glad to hear that. How was, let me, before we get into the, how the relationship was with you and your dad, when you reunited, this is my question. Uh, first of all, did they try to ask him if he wanted you when you left your grandma's house when you were 11? Did, did he have the option to take you? Yes. And my father, to be honest with you, was um, a habitual drug user. Okay. And that explains he, a lot. Yes. And he drove tracks trailers for a living as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was never home. Right. It, it was never his intentions to raise a child. Let's put it like that. Yeah. No, I know that dude. I know that dude. Not, not, not personally, obviously, but I know the meth driving truck driver that's up all night. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, there's a lot of those guys. So yeah. your dad was one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, so, so then what was your life like in foster care? And I don't just mean the relationship with your foster parents, because obviously that was pretty good, but how were you emotionally after going through all that trauma? Like, tell me how were you socially okay? Or, or like, how were you as a kid? Were you a sad kid? What? I pretty much stuck to myself as a child growing up. I didn't really have a lot of friends. I didn't really go a lot of places. I, I just, I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to have anything to do with men, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was just for me, it was me. I it was that. me just trying to live and trying to process the fact that I'm not with any of my family. I don't see my siblings every day. I don't have either one of my parents, you know, it, it was rough. Right. Right. I'm sure that was difficult to try to make all that make sense in your head and in your heart as such, at such a young age not having understanding about life and and the fact that when you when you tell something like that you don't expect the reaction to be as negative as it was you Mm. know when when you tell something like that you expect protection and guidance and and love and support and to not have any of that during that time i think made it more difficult for me than I could have ever imagined. Like, I didn't know if I was ever going to come out of that little, that little shelter crab Mm -hmm. thing. I I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest. I just knew that I was trying to live. It's so hard for me to imagine because I have four kids and I like, I'm a businessman today, but I plan to live my life trying to protect and help children. I feel like children just deserves so much love and they deserve a fair shot. And I know that they're so impressionable and the things that happen in your childhood will follow you for the rest of your life. My point is it's so hard to imagine a kid going through something traumatic like you did and not being able to find one adult that's like, let me love you, protect you, take care of you. It just seems so unimaginable that it would be that difficult to find love. Like how are there so many adults out there just not giving a shit about a kid who's going through a tough time, you know, you found your foster parents and hats off to them, but it shouldn't have been that hard. It shouldn't have taken that much, but sometimes it does. Anytime I hear stories about parents, especially parents being that fucked up to their own kid, I just can't connect to that. There's some insanity there. I can't either. Like I, you know, I'm married and and we have two small children. They're not Mm -hmm. mine. They're my wife's, but Mm -hmm. they are mine. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and when I sit back and I look at my kids every day, that's what kind of makes it hard for me in life, too, is to know that how could you, 
Like how could could an innocent child who has no voice, who expects you to protect them and to love them and to comfort them and to carry that role model, like how could you not do that? How could you not, knowing for a fact, how could you continue to stay with someone who even abuses your children? The great thing about you, and you just basically showed that to me, is that, you know, there's a couple ways that you can react when you go through something like that. But the, the, the right way to react to it is to identify that that is wrong. Yep. Cause when a cycle repeats itself, somebody hasn't identified that that is wrong and then they continue to do it. They learn that that's the way to be. And then they continue yep. to do that. And then the cycle goes on, but you have identified that as the wrong way. And sometimes the best teacher as difficult as it may be is what not to do. And you've yep. definitely gone in that direction where you're like, how could you ever hurt a child like that? So yep. For that, at least you learned a really hard but really valuable lesson, and I'm sure you're a more loving parent because of it. Oh, yes. All the way around, I try to be more loving and caring to my children than I ever experienced, you know. Going into something, you may not always realize, hey, you know, I'm ready to be a parent or I even know how to be a parent. You Mm -hmm. know, at first, my struggle was I don't even know how. I I don't know how to love them. I don't know how to give them that care and that comfort. But growing with them and learning them as a person and and as a child, that bond comes in. And, you know, that's kind of like all it took. My my kids know that I've been through some things in life. They don't know my story yet. Right. As I told them, when you guys are old enough, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 My kids, uh, my kids don't listen to the show because I talk about myself sometimes. And there are things also about myself that they're not necessarily ready to hear yet, but they're so lucky to have me, somebody who's been through so much to be there watching over them and know what they're feeling and know what they're going through and be so empathetic. And that your kids are lucky to have you for the same reason, you know? So it's a hard road, but you know, for those of us who survive it, you know, we're the most powerful on the planet. Because people That's can't right. even imagine what we've seen and what we've lived through and what we know, right. you know. Um, and and even now, when you face you know difficult situations, it's like you'd have been through the worst of the worst. <laughs> so so now it's it's you know cake to you. Oh <laughs> yeah, your perspective on what painful or sad is is like on a whole different scale, right? Exactly. Um, okay, so so now you're 17. Your dad takes over. How do you feel about that? Were you did you welcome that? I did because I wanted that bond with my dad. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I welcomed it a, a lot. Like, I, you know, I was happy, like, Oh my God, you know, after all these years, you know, I get to spend time with my dad. Well, it wasn't all that cozy, you know, at 17, it was, you know, you have a year till you turn 18. And when I moved in, it was, you know, they, they found out a couple months after I moved in that I was gay, that I was a lesbian. And so it's like, no tab, you're not going to do that under our roof. Like uh, here, we're going to fling the Bible at you. You know, it's against our religion. It's this, it's that. And they, they made life crazy. You know, I, I wasn't allowed to have female friends, female friends weren't allowed to call the house. It was, it was really insane. You've had to come through a lot. Let me oh, ask yeah. you this. Let me ask you this. And, and this question comes from a good place. I think already, you know, my heart too. So I wouldn't ask a question from a bad place. This is, a, but it's a, it's a, it's a good question. I think I've spoken to at this point, quite a few lesbians, gay men who went through some sort of a trauma with the opposite sex as a child. And it, rightfully so, I can totally understand how that could make them completely turned off by that opposite sex. And you mentioned that, that, you know, you didn't want anything to do with men in middle school, high school, because I'm sure you had such a horrible experience with that. How could you ever now turn and, and possibly enjoy or entertain anything like that? I get that. Right. Do you th- how common do you think that experience is? Do you think that happens a lot where they have that issue? There's this traumatic experience and forever now it's hard to, to go back and see that in a different way. Do you think? I think that that happens a lot. I think that it, it may be more popular than what, you know, society looks at because, you know, they can say, oh, well, you know, you're born this way or, you know, you don't just turn out this way. But I can't necessarily say that that's not so because at the end of the day, when you put your trust into the opposite sex Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, all that's just taken from you, your, Mm -hmm. your womanhood, just everything, every bit of you 
mm-hmm. who defines who you are is just ripped from you. I, I don't see, I know I can speak that I could ever go and be in a relationship with a man. Mm. It's not something that I would ever even consider. Everybody's experience is unique and their own. And so someone might say they were born a certain way and that may be true for them. And someone else may say this is kind of a result of trauma I've been through and that may be true for them. Um, so I appreciate all different perspectives and, and whatever. Um, but I can see where you're coming from. I can absolutely see how that could be a thing. And I think any of us may feel the same way having gone through what you went through. Right. You know? Um, okay. So now you live with dad and then do you just move out at 18 or what happens after you turned 18? Yeah. yeah so the day that I turned 18, my stepmom comes to me and she's just like, you know, you're not going to be gay in this house. And you know, that's the bottom line. And I looked at her and said, okay, well, you know what? My bags were packed last night. So, you know, <laughs> today I'm 18. So bye. See you guys. And that's exactly what I did. Oh yeah. I love the country because country always has these funny ass little one liners. My bags were packed last night. (laughs) I love country shit. Okay, cool. So, so, and then, so you left and where did you go? Did you have a friend, a girlfriend or where did you go? I had a gay guy friend who me and him were good friends through uh, high school, through our sophomore year to our senior year. So I actually moved in with him at that point. Awesome. With him and his parents or just him? Just him. He had his own spot. Yep. Okay. And so, so that was that. Now at, at any time here, are you, were you happy at that point? I feel like that might be a time where yes. you felt independent, happy. You finally got away from everybody. You can create your own environment now. Was that a good time for you? Yes. Yes, it was. Cool. I can imagine living with your friend. That's probably was a good time and he's gay too. So there's no judgment around you. There you go. That's good. Yep. Um, and so how long did that go on? Because I know that things have happened as recent as two years. So something happened between then and, and more, re- how am I, uh, am I allowed to ask how old you are? You look very young. How old are you? 35. No fucking way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What <laughs> fucking skin cream are you using? I'm 38 and I feel like a little bit of Monican, Monican Indian blood that I got in me. I reckon. Damn. Damn. You look good for 35. Shit, Tab. You're looking good. You look like you just left high school. Okay. (laughs) Did you have a baby face as a youngster? Yeah, always. You've got a baby face. You know this. Okay. Always. I swear to God, I thought you would have said maybe 25, 26. That's why I asked, like, okay, how much time is even between that part in the story and now? So, okay. (laughs) So, so, so walk me through it then. What happens after this? So you're living with this guy, your friend or whatever. And, uh, then what, what, how did you proceed into your adult life? Because a lot must've happened after that, that you still needed to deal with. Well, I went to work, uh, for a big agency out here in our small town called, uh, Central Virginia Training Center, which is where you care for people with intellectual disabilities. Okay. So I went to work there for quite some years. Um, I got my own place. And then I was engaged at the time. Mm -hmm. And then me and my fiance had split up. And during this time, my mom actually suffered a severe stroke. Mm. She was 47. And one day she just hit a full blown stroke. Wow. She was young. Um, She wasn't able to walk. She wasn't able to talk. She wasn't able to bathe herself. Just all of this happened out the blue. So I told myself that I am the only tab that I had to find it in my heart to go and take care of my mom. Mm. So for the first six months after my mom's stroke, I packed up my bags and I went back home and every day and night I faced my rapist one-on-one. He was every there. Day and night. She's still with them to this day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't know why when I heard this, when I heard you tell that part of the story, I thought, I assumed that he was gone. Why wasn't he taking care of her? Well, because he told her that he had a job and that he couldn't take off from work. And so therefore he couldn't be there all the time. So for six months, I move in up there and I bathe her and I dress her and I make sure she's got home therapy and I make sure that she goes to all her medical appointments after the stroke. 
and then I left after that because she had gotten better. So no, I'm no, no, no. To- we got to back up on this one. What was it like the first time you walked in the door and saw this fucking guy? I just kept telling myself, Tab, you're doing it for your mom. Yeah. You're doing it for your mom. And I guess that's kind of what gave me the hope every day because I told myself that no matter what I had lived through, she is still the woman who birthed me. Like, I couldn't see myself turning my shoulder to her. That's country, that's country shit, too. I, 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 that same girl, Ashley, a lot of similarities between your guys' stories. So many fucked up things happened to her from within her family and she still could not abandon them. She yep. still looked out for them at her own expense, no matter what they yep. did to her. That's country family values too. Uh, yeah. Um, during the time of my mom's stroke, I, you know, no income coming in on her part. I even took it upon myself on the days that I was off running around raising money for a benefit. I did a benefit for my mom actually out here in this small town and raised almost $20,000, which paid my mom bills for a whole year, but it didn't just pay her bills. It paid his too. Sure, 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 sure. Well, good for you. You know, like um, on your deathbed, you can think about that, that you did for your mom and you don't have to have any regrets or anything like that. So you did a good thing. You know, it's a, it was an act of kindness for sure that you should be proud of. But, um, how do you, how can you summarize that six months that you spent with him? How, what kind of effect or impact did that have on you? I, I can only imagine that that must've been even more damaging or, or, or no. It, it really was. I mean, to me to wake up every day and, and respect this man, knowing everything that he took from me in life, you know, right. knowing that all this had happened and, and how could he even look at me right. and, and smile or even carry on a conversation with me, knowing what he had done. You know, so every day I was there, it was a struggle to plant my feet. It was. I'm sure. I, I can't I just, even imagine. I kept doing it. I, I kept telling myself that it was for all the right reasons. And then um, shortly after, I had moved back home, like I said, mm-hmm. and about another year or two goes by and something happens and I needed to move back home. My brother lives in another state. My sister, her feet weren't on the ground at this time. Mm-hmm. So when I moved back home, my mom comes to me one day and she says, Tab, Mike says that you have to pay more to stay here. And I'm like, what? And she was like, yeah, you have to pay more to stay here. And at this point, I'm like, you know what? I live with him on a daily basis. I wake up every day and smile in this man's face when I really don't owe him shit. Mm. So at that point, I told her, I said, mom, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to pay more to stay here. I'll leave if that's what he wants. But after, I don't 20 some odd years, I was like, you know, you're going to give me the moment that I should have had with him a long time ago. Because of course this is after court, nothing happened. You know, he played to a simple assault and battery charge then, you know, so it, it, we were due for that conversation and mm-hmm. she agreed. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm going to take you down to my grandparents and I'll call you when I'm done. Mm. I said, I don't want you to be here. So I waited on him to get home from work. And then, of course, that's when I video recorded the admittance to it and everything. And, and he didn't even know that I had him on video record. So it was actually even better because I had built up all that time where I was just asking him, why? How many times did you do it? You know, you, you didn't do it once. You didn't do it twice. How many times did you really do it? And, you know, at that time, it, yep, and, and blame me for all your fuck-ups in life and, you know, this, that, and third. And it was at that point that that was like, that was my moment. That, oh that's, that's what I wanted. You created it for yourself. Yep. Yep. Good for you. Good for yep. you. They didn't give you the closure that you deserve, but you got it for yourself. Good for you. Absolutely. Now, not everybody has the uh, opportunity to do something like that because maybe they don't know their attacker or uh, the person's too dangerous to be around like that or whatever. But I'm so glad that you were able to create that moment for yourself. What'd you do with the video? Did you show your mom? Oh, Yes. And what she said. I showed all of them that doubted me, and she just cried. And she was like, Tab, you know, if you hate anyone, hate me. And, you know, this, that, and the third. And, you know, like I told her, I don't hate anybody. I do believe in God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mm-hmm. believe that one day we all pay for what we do. Mm-hmm. But I, I just wanted her to know, like I told her, I said, after your stroke, because I was sitting at the foot of her hospital bed the morning that it happened. And I said, you know, after your stroke, I told myself, if it was one thing that I did before you left this world, it was going to be that you knew the truth. Mm. 
I'm so glad that you were able to make that happen. Did you show your grandma too or no? Oh, yes. I showed everybody. What did grandma say? Grandma was like, you know, well, you got what you wanted. So now you just need to forget about it. And I'm like, forget. She's just fucking crazy. <laughs> no, nobody forgets something like this. Okay. You didn't just forget your ice cream money. You know, th- this isn't about something like that. But then later on, you know, during my suicide attempt, of course, it came out that there were a lot more dark skeletons behind the family than I'd ever knew. Mm, okay. Wow. Damn, Tab. This is a lot of shit. Yeah. This is a lot of shit. Uh, did you think about showing the video to the police or not want to do that to your mom? Or did you show him? At this point, it's on my story, of course. Oh, the, is it really? The, the video yes. of him admitting to the abuse? Yes. Oh, yes. shit. I got to get my, I got to get over there ASAP and check that out. You have a, yeah, real quick, you have a Facebook group dedicated to your story, right? Yes, I do. What's it called? Tab's Survival Page. Tab's Survival Page. It's on Facebook. Okay, yep. everybody go check that out. If you yep. want to learn more about her story and watch that video, I damn sure want to see the video. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, fuck that guy. Um, so, so yeah, but I don't know if you answered the question. So the police, did you did you want to show it to them or you just what? So at this point, a part of me just says, "Tab, you got what you wanted. I mm. did get what I wanted. Sure. I, I don't think at this point, all these years later, him going to jail would make me feel any better. But me knowing in my heart." the evidence that I now have that everybody so willingly said, you know, it's not true. She's lying. She's this, she's that. It just made me a stronger person overall, because now I can look at him with direction and be like, regardless, you gave me my closure. Yep. You, you, you provided that closure for me. I got you. Uh, whatever happens now, yeah. you know, he has to answer to God one day. True. And that's, that's how I feel about it. But it's like, now I'm not the victim. Now true. I'm the survivor. True, true. I And I totally get how that moment would be pivotal for you because he can't lie on you and say I, it didn't happen. And like, no, you won that one. The only other thing that I would say, and it's not at all my place to have any opinion about what you should or shouldn't do. But the only thing that I would say is, what about the possibility of him doing that to somebody else? Yes. And, and I, I completely agree. He's with still you out there. This is a child predator who's still out there. And even though you yep. lived in his house, it doesn't matter. He could do that to anybody. And people like that don't change. He probably still has those feelings. That's the only thing I think, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, to this day, um, my siblings don't really have anything to do with them. My brother or sister, one of his daughters doesn't have anything to do with them mm. because of all of it. So, yeah. you know, we, everybody kind of keeps their distance now with their kids. Like nobody allows their kids to go up there and Uh visit with him or be alone with him or anything under that sense. But being out in public with another child, yes, I do feel like it would happen. But here's the thing. I don't know how well I would trust the police department because at one point after my suicide attempt, I went to the police department and tried to get access to my old case. I wanted to see my old case. Well, they told me, well, we have to talk to the Commonwealth attorney about that first. And I'm like, okay, well, can I have a phone number to contact him because he wasn't in the office? And they're like, no, ma'am. As I said, we'll have to contact the Commonwealth attorney first. And I said, okay, well, about how long does that take? Well, we should have an answer for you next week. We'll call you. I said, okay. Well, we never heard anything from him. Never called never you. Heard another, never heard another word. And the lady, what got me about the lady was the lady who I actually spoke with, believe it or not, was the the guardian enlightenment from, from my case. Like, wow. that's how long she's been with the court system. She, wow. It was still the same guardian enlightenment. She looks at me and she says, I asked her, I said, you know, I want to see the records to my case. And she said, well, let me ask you something. Why do you want to see it now? And something, I something's looked at broken. my wife and, yeah. and was just crying and was like, are you kidding me? She doesn't what, understand. How are you even going to ask me why I want to look at my own case? Explain to me what the guardian enlightenment is. What is her position there? So the guardian enlightenment, when, when you go to court for charges of sexual battery and stuff like that, you're appointed a guardian enlightenment 
through the court system, which pretty much just tries to comfort you. It's supposed okay. to be there to sit there with you through the court hearings and things like that. So this is the fucking lady that they've got assigned to comfort victims of sexual abuse, and she doesn't understand why you still care about your case. Yes. 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 And then I, I contacted a couple attorneys at one point, seeing what I could do at this point with the video in my hand. And to be honest with you, I just think America in itself, when it comes to things like that, they just lack, they, they lack compassion. They oh, lack man. caring for Hey, go out, there and, go out there and sell a bag of cocaine. They'll put you in prison for 10 years, but rape a little girl and you'll be home in no time. Exactly. And it's like, you know, all the lawyers that I called to talk to about my case and what could be done was, well, what does he financially have? You know, basically like, like, sell, what, like try to court. sue him in civil court. Right. Right. And, and it's not I'm about like, money. Exactly. That, that was my point. It, it's never <laughs> about money. It's about him not not paying for the crime that he that he committed at the end of the day. I don't care about his money. I mean, yeah. hell, proven I'm 35. I don't need his money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't get it. This is a bunch of fucking people who don't understand and shouldn't be involved. Yep. That's the problem is there's just a lack of understanding happening right now with the people who are governing this whole process, right? They're just not understanding what a victim actually goes through. Yep. That's the problem. Yep. And, you know, after my suicide attempt, you know, I, I will say this, which it's not on my story, but I will say this. Um, my fourth day of fighting for my life, my mother decides to come to the hospital. And my wife wouldn't let her in to see me before then. My wife knew that half of the reason I was there was because of my family. And at, you know, her expense, it was she was protecting me. So my wife let her in on the fourth day. And I remember I couldn't see, you know, I wasn't awake, but I remember my mom leaning over my hospital bed and she said, Tab, I've got something to tell you. And so at this point, my mom proceeds to tell me, Tab, I was molested for years by your grandfather. Oh my God. But it didn't stop there. I get out the hospital and me and my brother and my sister get to talking, you know, for years I'm thinking I've protected my siblings. You know, every night this may have been happening to me. It wasn't happening to my brother or sister, and I knew that for a fact. So me and my brother and my sister got to talking, and my brother said, Tab, you know why I'm in Alabama? I said, no. He said, you know how many years I tried to tell mom that papa was raping me? My mouth dropped at that point. I looked at my wife and I just cried and I just cried. And I told myself, while you thought you were protecting your siblings, all along the same thing was happening to your siblings, but it was happening by other people. My sister then confides in me. Same things happened to her. So at this point, I don't know whether to hate my mom. I don't hate people. But I just don't know if I could ever forgive her at this point. And yeah. all this took a turn, you know, after my suicide attempt. I said, why so many years? Like, how many people had to get hurt? Like, you, you had sole ground that you could have protected your kids. You could have protected each one of them from this happening. And instead, you threw every single one of your kids out there as if they were bait. But, Tab, I get that. I get that, but this is like what we just talked about. Some people's reaction to this traumatic experience is that they learn what to do. They comply. They adhere to it. They adapt to it, right? It becomes normal to them. Yep. They don't know how to fight against it. Other people revolt against it and say that's not the right way, and they go as far as they can in the other direction. Yep. I'm still trying to figure out what the difference is in people that makes some people go towards it and some people go away from it. I can't figure that out, but if we can yep. bottle that, we can fix a lot of broken people. Yep. But that's just what happens, Tab, is that you went yep. the other way and she went the other way, and that's why she allowed that to happen to her kids. But you broke the cycle. Yep. That's what happened. Yep. And there's no, I can't figure out the rhyme or reason why, but that's, that's what happened. Yep. She's a victim too. She just 
responded to it differently than you did. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. That's why. That's why. Understanding always it always helps. That's the most important thing you can do in life is even if you don't agree, just try to understand. Yep. And and that's what I told myself after I woke up and I came to and stuff, you know, I, I said to myself, you know, my mom, she she went through it herself. Like, was was our help not there for her? Was it that she was not believed, you know? Why was it allowed to go on like that? Or maybe she thought, you know, hey, well, he did it to me. Maybe he won't do it to my kids or, you know, like I, I don't know what was behind it. But, you know, at this point, it's it's just I, I'm glad that all the generations beyond that have broken that cycle. Damn like it, right. it appears that from from me down, that, that cycle is no longer repetitive anymore. And in your family, it's a big no-no. You guys know to look out for it. You know what that does. It ain't happening. That's right. Um, which is a different, which is different than the previous family tradition, which is we do this in every generation, every house. So you guys, you know, that's a win. You guys fight your generation. You and your brother and sister should be fucking proud. You guys yep. beat that shit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> okay, back up really quick because we missed one important part, I think obviously you've mentioned it a few times you had a suicide attempt what led up to that and and what happened there so um a couple of days before my suicide attempt um i had been just crying very emotional staying up all night long and i just kept telling my wife i said you know there's something wrong with me like i i just don't feel right like yeah i'm emotional and i'm depressed every day but this was different Mm -hmm. this wasn't the norm so my wife took me to uh, Horizon Behavioral and attempted to get me evaluated. But at this time, they're short staffed on psychiatric doctors. So they don't have anything immediate care wise. for me. Mm-hmm. So me and my mom had a conversation um, about the rape. Mm-hmm. And he was just saying, you know, Tab, you, you need to let it go. This, that, and the third. And of course, it triggered me, you know, coming from her in a sense like that. Dismissing so, again. Yep. So one morning I got up and I got ready for work and stuff. And my wife says, Tab, you forgot your phone. This is halfway to work. And I said, well, that's okay. I said, you know, I'll just go to the group home. I'll clock in. Then I'll go back out and get my phone when I get somebody's meds. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the house, had no intentions of anything, to be honest with you. I walked through my front door and I I just snapped. Like I looked at my pill bottle. I, I was on Selexa at the time. And I looked at the pill bottle and I picked it up and I just chugged it. Um, I I sat on the couch and I cried for two, three minutes. I I called my wife begging her, please don't let me lay here and die. Um, And Selexa is what for everybody? Isn't it a depressant? It's an antidepressant. Antidepressant. Okay. Okay. So was it it working? Obviously not. But what do you, did it make any difference? So after we got to the hospital, my wife was informed that my kidneys and liver were pretty much in failure. And they said it can't be from the overdose. Like the overdose just happened. So after they ran reports, come to find out my body had built a toxin to the Selexa. My kidneys were no longer filtering the Selexa. So they're saying even though she overdosed, she technically had already overdosed. It was already building up in your in your organs. Yep. So at that point, um, so you were going to be fucked either way, even if you didn't do that, something was about to happen. Yes. Something, something. And maybe that's what was going on, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So why did that happen? Why did your body reject that? So they were saying that, you know, the thing about being on antidepressants and stuff are serotonin levels. I never knew anything about serotonin levels before this happened to me. But my body produces a lot more serotonin than it should. Okay. So therefore, I was put on the Selexa to bring that serotonin level down to keep all those neurons from hitting the brain and saying, go this way, go that way, do this, do that. Mm -hmm. And so after a while, my my kidneys just quit filtering. Uh, okay. they, it just quit filtering. Okay. So they said that's what happened, but um, I see. Do they do any kind of like, I'm sorry to just questions, but do you, do they do any kind of blood tests or blood work like periodically to test you for that, to make sure that's not happening? Now they do. Now, now before do. this, no. Oh. Before this, I, I went to, I guess, I don't know, you could call it a quack doctor uh, who just for three years just refilled my, my script. 
like <sighs> never checked my blood levels and stuff. Really? Yes. Yeah. But now, like, that now that right. I see, you know, psychiatric doctors and stuff, like, yeah, now every two or three months, my levels and stuff are checked to see where where that serotonin level and stuff is. Make sure the kidneys are definitely filtering it. Got it. So you end up in the hospital, and and so is this what happens? Is you're there and with this kind of organ fail, liver failure, and you're there for a few days. What happened? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I was on life support for four and a half days. Uh, for four and a half days, I would fight for my life. For two days, the machines did a hundred percent breathing for me. I didn't breathe at all. They told mm. my wife that I took enough Selexa to kill an elephant. Wow. So they told her, we don't know if she's going to come out of it. We don't know what her what her brain's going to do because they said I ceased for three and a half hours straight when I first got to the ER. So they didn't know what type of damages and stuff that I would have. Even if they brought you back, would you be the same again? Exactly. Wow. Yep. That is heavy. What do you remember, if anything? Do you remember anything about that time period at all? I remember them rolling me into the ER after my wife had called EMS and I remember looking up and I seen a light and, and that, that was it. That I don't was remember it. anything for the next four days. Wow. Wow. So when you finally came to, what was your situation? What did you feel? I cried that I was late there, that I, that I had done something like that. I, I was just sad hopeless but at the same time when I woke up I told myself that I would have a voice as I do now mm. to speak on mm. the trauma that I went through and the life that I experienced and to hopefully help other people that have been through the same situation so that was and bottom that was, kind of my guidance. that was bottom you bounced right there you bounced back yeah. from there yeah. got it got it well, damn, I'm sure glad you're here because you're fucking cool, man. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you made it. <laughs> okay, so so then your wife is by your side. Your mom comes, tells you this, and she must have been, think about what must have been going through your mom's head for her to feel the need to come and say that to you. She must have been looking at you going, look at what she's been through. I know, like she related. She knew the pain that you were feeling and 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 needed to tell you, I understand. That was her way of saying, I understand. It happened to yep. me too. That's a big moment. Yep. What does that mean to you, that moment? Does that, did that give you any kind of, I know we talked about it, but does that give you any kind of uh, relief or better understanding about it? Or Not really. Not really. It doesn't make anything right for you. I mean, to me, yeah, you know, people go through things and, and cycles continue and all that, and I get that. Yeah. But to me, for the life of me, and yes, I'm speaking on me, mm -hmm. I, I've been through all that. But never once could I look at an innocent child right. and expect them to go through it. Right, right, never right. Once, never right. once could I throw them out there in fire to go through something like that. Right. I understand. I'm the same. I understand. And and again, it just goes back to, and I can't understand why still, but some people are forever damaged and they go a different direction. And you went in the direction where, no, that's never happening. And even if we never get to understand why that happens to some people and they go different directions, just be grateful that you went the direction you went, you know? Right. I'm very thankful for that. Absolutely. Because there's, I mean, it's almost like out of your control. It's really just... God does that, you know, it's, there's no, really no way to choose that. I think. Well, you know, when he kept me here, like I told my wife, you know, it was telling me Tab, you have a purpose yeah. and, and you're going to live this. And now you have a testimony. Absolutely. A powerful one. And what you're sharing right now. So you're doing that work that you said you were going to do on that, right. on that hospital bed. So, and I respect you so much and I, and I appreciate you so much for it. So how has how have things been since then? So how long did you stay in the hospital, and then and then when did you make it out, and and what was life like for you right after that? Uh, so I was in the hospital from September the twentieth, two thousand eighteen, until October the first. Okay, so about and, two, almost two weeks. Yes, and after that, um, my wife had reached out and seeked a psychiatrist. Now it wasn't around our area because we don't agree with some of the medical professionals around here. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, we actually took a, uh, an appointment for a psychiatrist. It's about two hours away, but he's amazing. He's got me on, you know, I'm, I'm not on a tremendous amount of meds, but I'm Good. on the meds Good. You know that I need to be on to help me cope with life every day. Um, I went back to work 
you know, not even a week after it happened, you know, I, I'm a caregiver in this world. You know, I, I care for individuals with intellectual disabilities. It's something I've always loved. So, you know, that, that was kind of comforting to me was to go back to get back to work and stuff. And I've just been trying to push the foot forward since. Good for you. Good for you. And I'm so happy that you found your wife too. She sounds like such a great best friend and such a supportive person to have around you. Yes, sir. That's fucking fantastic. So, so now you just, you're, you know, you're working with the kids, you're sharing your story and do you have any other plans for the future? Like as far as maybe, you know, writing a book or any other ways that you're sharing your story aside from the group? I've, I've been thinking about that. Me and my wife were talking about it and I would love to, to publish a book one day of, of my life and my story and to hopefully help other people. And plus now I'm involved in, you know, the American stop suicide. And, you know, I did the walk last year and shared my story there last year. So, awesome. you know, it, it's been an amazing ride for us just trying to help someone else. I mean, you never know when you're in a situation like this, who you very well may be helping. You know, when I shared my story, it was if I could help one person, just one person. Totally. And so I can, I completely intend on moving forward and just helping other people get through it. As cliche as it might sound, I really hold close to me this idea that all these little random acts of kindness, anything, there's nothing that's a small act of kindness, a smile. Somebody could be so lonely that just saying hello to them or opening a, just a, sm- a, a friendly glance, anything can literally make a life and death difference for somebody who's at a low point, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, if you've got anything you'd want to share with somebody who might be in a place like that, being someone who's been through it, what would you advise somebody who's just not, who's feeling in a low depressed point? Just reach out reach out. I I don't, I don't care who you reach out to. There is one person in this world who would listen to everything you have to say. What if they're, you know, the 11 year old you who couldn't find anybody, where do you go? Where do you go? If you can't find anybody at that point, you go to your guidance counselor, go to a teacher, go to someone, make it known, Mm -hmm. Uh, go, go to the janitors at the school, just, just anyone. And if you're an adult, and then if you're an adult, you go go anywhere you can possibly go. There's hotlines that you can call every day. You know, there's there's police departments. There's any, anybody for that matter. Just These Facebook groups are good too, right? That's right. I'm, I'm involved with a lot of the Facebook groups. And I see a lot, a lot of people on there who just want someone to simply talk to them. Amber and I are in a lot of Facebook groups as we're just meeting different people and people that we think we can bring on the show and tell an, an important story. I'm so touched by the amount of support that I've seen out there under every topic you can think of. There's men support group, women support group, gay and lesbian support groups, suicide support groups, anything that you can think of. Search it on Facebook. You will find people there who have made it their life's mission to be supportive, to share from their experiences that can relate to you, to give resources. People want to help. And we're in a place where we can easily connect with each other. There's no reason to be lonely. Don't be embarrassed, right? Just reach out. Somebody cares. Somebody like you or like me is living their life, literally waiting for you to say, hey, I need help. Yep. Anytime. I love you, dude. You are the best. And I'm so proud of you. Love you, and I respect you, and thank you so much for what you're doing for your kids, for those kids that you're teaching. Just keep spreading as much love as you can, and you know we're going to win these fights and help other people win their fights and keep living. We got our best days ahead of us. Thank you. See ya. I'll send you the link when this is up so you can check it out. Okay, thanks. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. That was a good one. Oh, I love you, Tabitha. Thank you so much for the inspiration and for your power and for showing the world that no matter how far you drop, you can bounce back and shoot to the moon. You're the bomb, Tabitha. I just listened back to this conversation again and I'm like, yeah, Tabitha had the power. I love it. Keep it up, man. Keep it up. You got the power. Everybody, try to just put your hand on that right there. Get a taste of that. Absorb some of that power. Bring that into your next day. Bring that into your week. 
Apply that to something you're going through in life. Look at how far you can drop down and how high you can bounce back. It's all perspective. It's all perspective. Sometimes we got to hit a really low low though. But you can decide. You can decide that this is low enough. Let's bounce back like Tabitha. Let's bounce back like Tabitha. Make a t-shirt out of that. Listen, if you're enjoying the show, please leave a five-star rating. And please leave a long, extensive review about how special this show is to you and what it means to you. Because we love to read it. And it helps rank us higher in the in the like search results. So that more people can find this and we can keep growing our thing. That's all I ask. If you really, 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 really want to, you can go to patreon.com slash webchats. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash webchats. And for like $2.99 a month, you can just leave us a tip so we can keep doing this thing. But we're going to keep doing it regardless, to be honest. Yep. Because I love it. And I love you guys. And this is something that I get to do to give some love back to the world. The world has given a lot of love to me. Till next time, baby, we out.